You're listening to The Contrary Beekeeper Show I'm Dan I'm Greg And I'm James Join us as we journey into beekeeping While we learn to be the change One hive at a time Hey guys, thanks for joining us today Uh, It's been quite a fun uh, summer for us so far Uh, Been super busy I know I've been uh, falling a bit behind in the bee yard and things like that, but it's been quite an awesome year so far. I think everyone's falling behind. It's hard to uh, get to all the things that you want to get done, and it's hard to to follow through with things that you start sometimes. And uh, I know with the podcast, it's hard uh, to get all three of us together in the same spot, let alone uh, all the things that were that are going on in the bee yard to try to make sure we follow through with all those so it's always about compromise i guess oh it very much is so and that's why today it's just going to be greg and i uh the moon's aligned or stars aligned and so greg and i were able to get together and sit down and have a little conversation about what's going on for us and how the year's been so far and whatnots Yep, and we look forward to uh, get an update from Jimbo here uh, pretty soon, see how, where things are going, uh, how things are going in his bee yard. It's uh, it's August, uh, and uh, since about July, we've been uh, getting ready for winter. Uh, yeah, Which July 4th. sounds crazy 4th. to say, you know, we're, we're winter's coming. July 4th is uh, my cutoff for splitting activities and starting to gear up towards... Uh, getting some honey off and also aiming towards uh getting ready for winter i guess technically you're getting ready for winter as soon as spring starts valid point sort of right because i guess all if we think about the what the bees are actually doing they're they're increasing brood they're they're getting built up uh to possibly to naturally if they would swarm uh or you make splits they're they're getting ready for their year to keep keep their uh their lineage going and uh to keep their existence uh moving forward but they're always doing two things which is what make bees and make honey but now since you mentioned it you sure coming out of spring they're not trying to just reproduce and then after they split off and to make another hive naturally the uh the bees would now be storing honey to gear up to get ready for winter so from spring i would say their first job is to reproduce hence why they build up numbers so strong this is like the uh, chicken before the egg because uh, it, when they're coming out of the spring, what if it's in a massive, super big hive or a new bee tree or who knows what? It, maybe it's they were super lean going through the wintertime and it may take them the rest of the year without even swarming to build up. So technically you could say, well, then they, maybe they're not going to swarm. So just so the folks know at home, this is one of the great examples of the ramblings of the phone calls that Greg and I have back and forth when we're either both on the road going someplace or whatnot, and it's surprisingly a more of a frequent occurrence than I would admit. You always got to gotta look at things from, <laughs> from odd angles. You got to hold your mouth right. You got to, you know, try to... We, we pretend we have some idea of what's going on in the bee yard. We, we pretend we know all these things. We know what they're doing. The fact of the matter is they've got a mind of their own. They're going to do their own thing, but we try to put a couple things in place to where um, we can start to build some... Uh, some resiliency and some uh, some sustainability in the bee yard to where we're not constantly buying bees. They're not you know constantly dying, uh, and we're trying to you know enjoy uh, the experience as we uh, kind of get through there. So whether or not bees are 
getting ready for winter uh, before the spring equinox or after, um, the fact of the matter is, if you're a beekeeper, you are mentally preparing for winter is at the end of most of a mental timeline that you would have coming out of spring because everything that you do in the spring into the summer uh, matters as to where you line up or where you end up in the winter time. Uh, you said you mentioned uh, July Fourth was your cutoff. What, what, uh, what, what does that mean to you? And how did you arrive at July Fourth? So July Fourth is my time frame to when I stop making splits, for the most part. There's, there's no hard rules in my bee yard. I'm also taking this year as there's no hard numbers. What happens happens. What doesn't happen doesn't happen. So for me, July 4th was a time where I stopped making heavy splits throughout the entire yard. Since I'm slowly growing, I think now I'm at uh, upwards of 25 hives. I don't know an actual number. Uh, But it's more gearing up, getting them in their uh, deep boxes, and trying to push them towards getting ready for winter. So where did July 4th come from? It just seemed like a good time for me to uh, start changing the pace. It seems like a pretty random number just to pick one day. Has there been something in the past or your experience that led you to the point to where it seemed like July 4th was a, a time to a point in time to consider? Uh, last year it was September. I made a bunch of splits, and uh, it definitely didn't work out the way I thought. Uh, definitely in the coming out of the winter. Because I went into winter with uh, 12 hives and came out with, f- oh, what was that, three or four? I don't honestly remember. So September splits did not work out so well. But for me, the July 4th, because depending on the situation, uh, that's plenty of ample time for a queen to go out, get mated, come back, start laying, start laying consistently and then start having her new bees come out and start gearing up. I think when, when I use July, July 4th personally, it's been kind of based on um, prior year's experience splitting. And when you get into July, the end of July going into August, we hit that thing called Darth. Yeah. And when that happens, uh, there's still plenty of time, um, even in September, uh, to requeen a hive. Uh, and you, you could you could break big hives down and make splits. The tricky part about July is, at least here in Ohio, if you're making lean splits um, and you're, uh, I'm a risk taker, so I make a lot of really lean splits. Uh, it works most of the time uh, as the year as the as the year kind of develops. When we get into July fourth, from July fourth uh, to about August fourth. Um, you can do no wrong in the spring making splits, but you get to hit, you hit right around July fourth or so. Um, and when the when the floral changes, the plants change, the temperature changes, the the moisture changes, the plants react, and then all of a sudden uh, there's less nectar available. And so what you have is almost like a light switch, and it's like full on robbing. We really didn't see a huge dart this year. Throughout the summer months, though, in our area, which was surprisingly, it was just surprising for me actually. It, it's been it's been more than an awkward what was, year. What nectar was on in uh, July and August? Oh, we had uh, white clover everywhere. Right. And I think the biggest issue right now is since uh, we had a very very wet spring, 
So for us, what that meant was a lot of farmers couldn't get out and plant. A lot of farmers did not get out to plant corn. And so they took the, uh, I don't want to call it a buyout, but they took the preventative planting program through, uh, I think it's a farm bureau, whoever does it. I can't honestly remember. Someone's going to be out there screaming at me what it is. And please get on Facebook and tell me because I've been trying to, I've been told and I forgot. But they took these preventative plantings. And then there is a big thing with uh, cover cropping in our area. And I know a lot, a lot of people have cover cropped uh, old cornfields or now fallow cornfields for the year. And uh, I can think of one neighbor personally, I think he did like 400 acres to try to get a cutting of hay off of it this year. Him and the farmer went in on it. And uh, so that was their big thing. But we are seeing clover absolutely everywhere non-stop there's gonna be a bumper crop of buckwheat honey it's, it seems like this year it seems like most of the midwest uh when farmers weren't able to uh put anything in they end up putting a lot of buckwheat in in some areas yeah uh, which will help uh for us uh this year uh, because of the rain the robbing didn't seem to happen because of the uh inability of the plant to produce nectar the robbing happened because of all the rain. It kept washing out all the nectar of the yep. plants. And it was literally days and days and days. And so we were getting rain uh, way past July 4th. Yeah. And so uh, there was very few, at least here locally, uh, a lot of the corn got put in super late. Um, it did. And some even got put in past the point of uh, filing a claim. Crop insurance. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for us, uh, that, was that, was, May that was the... Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So for us, uh, the big one of the big challenges we had making splits past July fourth, uh, and the and the years past has has been robbing, and and that's just a fact. Whether it's dry weather, or whether it's too much or too much rain washing the nectar out, robbing pay, plays a, uh, a a significant role in what you can get away with um, on splits, uh, where you can get by with a cup of bees. Uh, and a frame of honey uh, all through May and June, um, that, that kind of changes um, later on in the year. So you kind of have to you know plan accordingly. So that would be a pretty interesting uh, show topic uh, because some folks don't – they would have no need to make splits that late in the year. Um, and they're literally just moving bees from one box to another, and they're buying mated queens to jumpstart and get things moving quicker. So it's all about – context uh scale and what your goals are well it's definitely what i did this year how many mated queens did i buy from you greg boy i don't even know 12 15 uh honestly it would have it's more than 10 yeah oh gosh I'd, I'd say around 15 yep and that was that was just to make quick aggressive splits and that's what i did and it's well and i think also in your case though you also wanted to i wanted to keep with the genetic lines you, that i had yeah you want to keep specific genetic lines yes and so your genetic lines uh, were all daughter, overwintered daughters from my yard, and that stock uh, originally came from Fat Bee Man. So what you have is small cell Fat Bee Man stock that's overwintered, and then daughters made from all those queens. Those bees aren't small cell anymore. Hate to break it to you. Because you put them on, yeah, you put them on yep. large cell. Yeah. I already got too much money in normal foundation to start switching up to small cell. Yeah. But... I thought there was going to be a lot more issues with going that way, going from little to big, and I was 
surprisingly mistaken. Yeah, I don't think I've hardly ever heard any issue just going the other ways where you've got you know troubles in the at the queen's abdomen fitting into the right size cell. What happened when we put that? Uh, do you remember when we put that small cell frame a few years back in my hive? Do you remember what happened with that? I have no idea. I can't remember. We did it. We put. So what size foundation was they, that? Didn't they draw drones? Uh, drove right. They drew yes. double combed it, didn't they? Yes. Yeah. Well, no, they didn't double. They just completely ignored the grid and just made an entire frame of drones. Yeah. Because I remember, because I used that uh, for a few hives as my little like uh, green frame, drone right. frame. Do drone pulls and see what yeah. was going on. Yep. So. Yep. Yeah. So you get into you get into to July and you you better have a pretty good idea of where you are uh in the bee yard um because you it's 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 time to start making moves uh and getting things uh sorted out and start to think about winter time and uh kind of what your um what your plans are more importantly with beekeeping you have to look so far down the road sometimes you can't just open up a box look at it see it and put it back you can very much so. But if you have goals, if, you, if you're if you like us and you're selling queens or you're selling stock, uh, or if you're like you and you're, and you're making honey, you have to be able to plan ahead of time for those things. You're already planning next year's honey sales this year by what you do in the bee yard. This year, if you wanted more honey, you wouldn't have made so many splits. Very much true. And you would have made honey this year on less numbers of hives, individual hives, but you would have had more numbers per colony to make the honey. Yes. But you want to have more hives in your yard uh, to have uh, more honey production um, than what you would have. So you decide to make a bunch of splits. I think each one of those packages I bought, they got split once immediately off the rip. They all got new queens. Uh, and then from there, I think they each initial split has been at least split one more time. Yep. At least one more. I know some of them have been split off at least two more times. Right. And so when so. you're making honey, it's like you have your hives on the verge of swarming is the fine line that you always balance. And so when you're making, when you're splitting them and you're building them up, you know they don't quite get to the point to where they're at that level in their development. But what's good about that is is you're building up your numbers uh, going into the winter time. So when you come out in the spring, you have enough hives that are going like gangbusters in the spring. It's where you can make spring honey. Yes, that's the one. One of the, one of the challenges is when you're buying nukes and packages, um, even in the, in the spring, is you're kind of limited uh, on on. You can definitely make honey, and you can make honey off packages. Very same much year. so. Yeah, you've seen that. Mm-hmm. I've seen that. Yep. Um, and you can you can you can definitely do it uh, on nukes. Um, but when you come out of the spring with a jamming hive. Uh, and you go through, you inspect them, and all you're doing is, is freshening up supers, giving them a little bit more space to go. Now you're talking about bringing in all kinds of uh, uh, nectars that you don't have access to. Would now because of timing? I've bounced back and forth on this, and I'm I still don't know what I'm going to do. And since I don't have an idea yet, I'm just going to let it be. But for me, early spring buildup, I've thought multiple times about pollen patties. To get that jump as soon as possible, give them the abundance of pollen, try just to push them as hard as they can coming out of spring and get that build up so I can get that spring honey. But at the same time, there's a decent pollen crop in the spring. And I'm still bouncing back and forth. And I know this year when I went through all my hives in the very beginning of spring, there's plenty of pollen left over from the previous year. They had bee bread everywhere. It's just one of those things I'm not too sure. You ever used it at all? 
I don't I don't use any kind of pollen substitute, but I I'm not. Um. Yeah, we'll make honey and we'll sell a tiny bit of honey, or more than likely, she'll Susan will put it in the honey vault for the house here. Um. So I don't need to make a bunch of early honey. I, it's like the the, the the timing for the bees is such that they don't start making brood until they have enough of a food pantry to do it. And then yeah. the nectar flows is usually right after that. So naturally, that timing is synced up for them meeting their own goals. Now, where that gets challenging is if you want to, to, to take more of that spring honey. Or if you went into the winter with, with a surplus and you're going to make a honey pool in the spring, once the first flow comes on, it's a different story. You want them to kind of get built up to, to kind of do all the things that you want to do. So with pollen patties, it's like, okay, you can get them going sooner and get them built up and get that early nectar and get mo- more of it because you've yeah. got more numbers. But I don't wonder if that is more a result of uh, the method of beekeeping, where you and I are different. Yes, and there's Think also of all the tin framers running deeps and deeps and deeps. Yes, that is a little bit different of a story when you're throwing on nothing but ten frame deep boxes as honey supers. Yeah, or even or even ten frame mediums as honey supers. That that difference, you know. You, what it takes to build up a hive is going to be different, not only in our own areas, but with our own uh, hive styles and management types. Oh, yeah. But the other thing I've been looking in, too, is you got to time that pollen perfect. Because if it's too soon and you get a cold night, you're going to chill all that brood. Because they're... they're it's right. You the point it. of it is to make bees quick. If there's not enough bees in there to keep the brood warm and she starts laying hard you're going to be in a little bit of a world of hurt. Right. This, now, this is my understanding because I obviously don't know anything about it, but it's just one of those things that I've been pondering about this year and yeah, haven't really... You'll have to just you know, figure out you know, why, why guys are doing that, exactly yep. why and what the context is, and then see if that you know, means anything for your yard. Oh, yeah. So it's, it's August, uh, and right now the first goldenrod has already been on. Or the, the false goldenrod. Right now, ironweed's on. Yep. Um, butterweed's on. Asters are starting to come on. Uh, bull thistle is on. Uh, so we're we're only maybe ten days away from the goldenrod starting to to work its magic. What are you doing to get ready for uh, the goldenrod flow and wintertime? I got a couple supers ready, or still on, and I'm going to leave them on for the first couple days of goldenrod so I can get that nasty, stinky honey, because it is delicious. And then after that, it's just gearing up and starting to break things down and getting their winter nest ready for uh, when winter comes. Yeah, what kind of configuration are you um, looking at for your bee yard for wintertime? So, I got a whole bunch of five-frame deep still sitting out there. Uh last year what i did and had well i can't say i had good success with it but uh because a lot of my shit died but i smashed all my boxes together i run migratory lids so it's one of those things that i can just uh push them all together make them one big giant heat sink cut that wind from whipping through there and just make it a little bit easier on the bees to stay warm did you have you have you tried that at all before 
Yes, we did last year, and uh, I don't think I had any major issues with that. I had more issues uh, with keeping mice out. Uh, some hives had mites gilbit out of control. Um, just random things had some moisture issues, stuff like that. So, which moisture issues is something that I'm revisiting, and I've tried all year long to figure something out and still drawing up blanks. Uh, so I know we've talked about it in the past, but so I'm feeding with those uh, mason jars. All my hives use mason jars. I'm uh, upwards of 25 hives right now. And uh, it's a lot of mason jars. Uh, this is the first year since I've been running a lot more mason jars. I've actually had a couple break in the bee yard, which I'm not a huge fan of. Uh, I don't really want to get into doing... Uh, oh, what are those feeders? I got all those Brushy Mountain feeders hive tops yes hive tops i don't know why i was drawing a blank uh yeah i got a whole bunch of hive top feeders uh well a whole bunch i got i think four yeah i think two of them are down at my cousin's house uh i got four of them and uh they're a little bit pricey so i've been trying to figure out an idea because that mason jar how big is that mason jar hole what? two and three quarter yeah it's it's metric it's actually a touch the right size is just a touch bigger than that but yeah so i got those mason jar holes and uh they're big holes huge and i know a few of mine last year the wood i used to cap it with swelled a little bit and it created openings and next thing you know i have water seeping in through my hive going right through the cluster and winter water is not very warm no so i know a bunch of those hives died a lot of it from moisture mm -hmm. so that's something i want to tackle but still trying to find a cheap cost effective way to cover all those holes and go forward so that's it's my big issue right now uh i've i've used four of those pale feeders off and on this year uh and which pale feeders are those the uh, the white buckets, the, the one gallon, yeah, the feeders. one gallon. Greg yeah. Burns copyrighted well, pail feeders. If you, but folks have probably seen that video, but just a one gallon pail feeder with the lid and all with that the, with yeah. the tent plug and yeah, tent, tent, T I N T, tent. Oh, I googled tent like T E T E N T. Yeah, right. Yeah, they're just they're just tent plugs. Uh, from a manufacturer who makes plastic stuff for uh, paint buckets and, and all those liquids and things like that. So you're, you you don't like the two and three quarter. No, and that's... Hole, and you've seen how we do the tent plugs yes. in the video. Have you thought about doing something like that? I've played around with it a little bit. Uh, I actually... I was a little reserved last night about going into full detail with it so we can do it now. But uh, I just I'm not sure what to do, and I, I like the idea of the buckets. But the only thing is, they're three dollars compared to what my dollar mason jar with a T20 staple. Mm -hmm. So the initial cost is going to be more. But I also just really want to get glass out of the bee yard. 
I and that's if you've, if you've gone to Don Don the Fat Bee Man's yard, that's that's what he used 20 years ago. And with all the students, you end up with a lot of broken jars, uh, and that doesn't go away. You can still find glass to this day, which is why if you're pulling pine needles from his yard, you use a hive tool to scrape them up. It's a good idea to get the glass out. If you're going to compare price, though, let's compare apples and apples, though. Yes. So we're talking you a have quart jar one dollar for gallon. one quart. Yes. And you have three dollars for one gallon. Yes. So per quart, the vessel is actually cheaper. Yes. And you can use a 50 millimeter hole and you can use the same tent plug that you use in the bucket and you can use a fresh non-drilled one to plug up that hole and it's perfectly watertight. Yes, and that's and that's really the fact that getting glass out of the bee yard, getting some winter solution that's not going to cost an arm and a leg to keep my hives dry inside. It's those were the two big things that are leaning me that way. That's like the biggest reservation on using any kind of a top feeding bucket is having a hole in your lid. Yes. And it's like, well, then what do we do in the wintertime? And there's an easy 16-cent solution uh, for that. And when you're ready in the spring to put a bucket back on top, you just pop that tent plug right out of the the lid, put your bucket in, and you're good to go. The buckets are sweet because there's so many options. It's not just a pre-manufactured bucket that only dispenses liquid at a certain ratio for a certain time. You can put, you know whatever size hole you want in that depending on what you're actually feeding and you can just leave it on there you don't so, have to fill them halfway if you want you don't, you don't, you don't even have to put one gallon you can just put it you can put a half a gallon if you want physics question for you about this so when you fill it up and you invert it and set it on there is yep. it actively dripping sugar water or are they sticking their proboscis in that tiny it hole? all de- it, it it all depends on viscosity of the feed um for i've i've done mine a couple different ways um you, yes, you create a vacuum, but I don't. I'm not a. I'm not even a uh, a smart pseudoscientist. But when you flip that bucket, there's a difference in how a quart jar reacts versus a gallon jug or a gallon pail. Yes, because there's more liquid in there. There seems to be more head pressure inside of there. Yes, and, and also so, your plastic can move and your glass is rigid. Right, and so there seems to be a difference in where. Uh, the quart jars, I've seen that where when the hole got too big or it got rounded out, it just dripped, even at two to one. It just would drip, drip, drip. Depending on what size hive you put that in, it's no problem. They clean it up. Yeah. Um, if you put a, a quart jar of one to one on top of a fresh uh, split with only a handful of bees and it's dripping, that's going to be a problem. Yeah. It's going to drip right on them and you're going to have a bunch of dead bees in there. I had a couple hives this year. Where when I was experimenting with the hole size, um, some of the holes were, were way too big for uh, for two to one, and so it would drip, you know, several drips, just drip, 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 and then when you put that on top of a, on a, a young split or a small split, you end up drowning them all. So when I finally got down to the right um, size hole that we were, we mentioned there in the video, that's perfect for two to one. Um, and what it does is it actually it creates a drip, but it it, it creates more of a vacuum okay. uh, to where it doesn't just keep dripping and dripping and dripping and dripping. And matter of fact, those buckets are so um, sealed off that uh, the longer after like two or three weeks of them being on there, um, they start to build a little, a little bit of pressure. They still don't leak, but you can see how the 
the face of that bucket lid is starting to push out from that pressure, and you pop that tent plug out, and you, all, the, all the air hisses out. So it's so incredibly it's concave, even though it's upside down. Right, because of the height, because of that rim on the bucket. So That's cool. they're extremely efficient, uh, or they're extremely uh, airtight or watertight, which is which is that's like the the biggest thing. Um, what I keep noticing, and I keep seeing over and over and over again with these with these pail feeders. Uh, Jeremy Hill was just over uh, checking out the bees, um, and I, I asked him too because you know he's got a little bit different. Having someone having young fresh eyes, uh, young meaning this is his first year of beekeeping on a situation. Have him take a look at it and see what he sees. He's seen the same exact thing that I did, which was on the the rim of those bucket feeders where that rubber gasket is. It almost weeps just a tiny bit, or really? or when it rains, rain gets into there. And so what I notice is I have robbing on the outside of that bucket on the top of the hive. You think it's sugar water and not just water? I don't, it's probably it's probably just a little bit of weeping around there because then as soon as you look at the front of the hive, there's no robbing and it's yes. calm as can be. You open up the hive, it's as calm as can be. There's no robbing. There's no dead bees at the bottom. There's no evidence of war. It's on top, so it's almost like with those pale feeders, you're getting almost like an opportunity for open feeding. Yeah, because they're because if you have a yard and they're going to rob, um, they're they're going to rob. Oh, for sure. And so, if you give them a place where they can rob and not just not be massacring your your splits, that's that's kind of a big deal. And that was another avenue I looked at too: is just close up all my holes and open feed. But also at the same time, I don't want to be the mean guy and say this, but I really don't want to feed my neighbors bees. Well, that is a whole other can of worms oh, because it, it you get into. Is. Um, the the commingling of of bees and pests and all of those kind of things that's a whole other yeah but I mean uh, the fat bee man he's he's in, he's he, he has done open feeding too um, so it, there's there's a time and a place for it um, I don't think that the open feeding itself necessarily causes the robbing I think the bees are going to rob and they're opportunists and they find those places to do it yeah. So sometimes if you're open feeding maybe away from your yard, maybe it's a place or with these bucket feeders, maybe you're let your the, the bees are going to do that. You give them an, an opportunity and a place to do it to where they're not robbing out all your hives. That's that's kind of a handy attribute to have um, if you could put something to like that in place. But you know to feed, you know to not to feed. A lot of these questions depend on um, if you're making honey, if you're making bees, what time of the year, um, and things like that. I've been a little lazy this year, um, and I've I think I've gone through I don't even know how maybe three uh, drums of sugar. So oh, uh, what is that? 150 gallons of dry sugar. So. That that made me about 150 liquid gallons. Wow! Um, and I haven't even had the feed on the whole time. They're, yeah. They're most time it's, it's empty because they're far enough along. The comb's drawn. Um, they've got what they need, so I'm not really you know pushing that super hard. The other one I had concern about is so my mason jars. They actually the lids will fit into the uh, hive lid. If you had any issues with them blowing around once they get to the emptier side, because I'm I'm literally in. Oh, the buckets? Yeah, because I'm somewhat no. more in like northwest Ohio, and it's a, it's completely flat, and that Most, wind really whips. If I if I'm not in my yard every ten to fourteen days, uh, mo- a, a lot of times I have, to, I have to use a hive tool to crack the bucket off the lid. So they propolize it. They propolize it down. It they down and, That's awesome. And even when they're empty, like right now, right now in the yard, most of them are empty. 
Okay. And they don't budge. But see, here's the nice thing about it is because of that 50 millimeter hole in the lid uh, versus the actual size of the one gallon bucket. Yeah. You you don't have to center or anything. You just plop the bucket on top. Oh. Um, so there's so much give uh, because that the what makes the seal is the actual rim of the one gallon lid. And so it seals over top, and it's it's golden. So there's a space now between the lid of the uh, pail feeder and the top right. lid of the hive, and they can con- they, so they can oh, actually okay. come up through the hive lid and congregate on the the bucket lid itself. Oh, okay. So they're not just one, you know, one proboscis up through a lid. No, they can all get up and get in there. So it, I don't know. So far, it seems to be working out um, so well. The only um, my my only uh, gripe about um, the entire system. Is the fact that maybe I have a system that requires so many buckets that I have to constantly try to keep filled? Yeah, which is a good problem to have. Yes, I can't even imagine if that was quart jars. I, there's no way. Oh god, I couldn't. And, there's no way. I don't even know how many highs I have. But there, and I, I tried there's no to. Way. I tried to stay optimistic, and I know you told me after 20 highs I'm going to be hating quart jars. And I'm like, no, it's so easy, it's so simple, and just keep the optimism. And I. Not to inflate your ego even more, but you were dead right. Well, it, it matters. It and it's until you hit a you certain are, point, and it's it is literally such a pain in the ass, and it's it's more just because the frequency of getting out there, especially with building up hives. And now, I granted, I know that I'm not going to be putting sugar to the bees year round. I'm not in the market of making bees to where that's a requirement or even you know what i mean or on some hives on splits and things maybe yes. maybe you are but not the ones that you're they're in production yes predominantly they will not have yeah sugar on them but still it is such a pain lugging those around and just the weight of the jars and the whole thing it's just it it's buys becoming you time. more, and, and yes. we don't ever have enough of it. Those gallons, I mean, they the the, the the feed stays good even at two to one or three to one. Say it's good for three, four, five weeks. I mean, that just buys you a little bit. Of t- yes, and no. now that was the other thing I yeah. was going to ask you about because uh, I've done some reading, I've looked around, I've seen what other people do. So, sugar water lasts generally for what two weeks well, once it's already I, mixed up. I mean, mine lasts for about four. Okay. Is there something to stop it from souring? Yeah, more sugar. Okay. I mean, you could probably, I don't even know. I've, I've heard of guys will put uh, a few drops of bleach in. Yeah. Um, thyme oil, things like that. Um, mm-hmm. But the thing about it with those, again, the versatility of those buckets, if if, if, they're, spoil, if, they're, if they're souring on you, yeah. only fill them halfway full then. Don't fill them all yeah. the way up. Um, and then you know, kind of go from there. To say that they're they're buying your time, it's not that they're buying you time because you're not in your hives every week. You're just they're buying you time because you're not taking a new jar out every, every single yes. week. You're just moving your bucket off and moving it back on during your inspections. And well, that's hell, huge. some of my hives, it would have been four or five days, and that jar was damn near empty. Right. It's hard to stay on top of things. It is uh, when you're when you're you know when they're when they're you know feeding like that. So I. I don't know. It's it seems like it's they're. I think the coolest thing about those those pail feeders is yeah the pails, but using those tent plugs in the lid 
of the hive, that's the game changer. Yeah. Because then now everything is all the same size. It is, yeah. The same size hole in the lid, same size hole in the bucket, same size plug goes in either. And so it, it just it's making things way and more I simpler. I could not find a two and a three quarter anything to plug that hole with this. And that's a huge me. hole if something does yes. go wrong. They have scientific rubber stoppers that are that size. Right. That's like, you might as well just put a quart jar in there or and leave it. $14 a pop. Right. And it's something that could still happen because of the yep. size of your hole. That's, you know, with, with the quart jars, yep. that's the other thing is, you know, how that physically is set up. You're actually putting the rim of the jar inside of the hole. And so if it gets empty or you knock into it or the hole is cut wonky, you can have some some can leak. They usually propolize that, but I had some where I had water would leak in around the lid. Some would, would drop right in and there's just, it's just, I don't know, it's, it's nice to have things consistent, uniform, um, to where you're spending more time um, tending bees than you are yeah. tending maintenance and uh, making equipment and things like that. Now, since this was supposed to be a show all about winter and we've completely sidetracked that, which is, surprises me that we would go down a rabbit hole somewhere. Right. <laughs> uh, sidebar. All my hives last year survived. I did something to ventilate the lid. And they all, except for one, had the regular telescoping covers. And what I did was I took a quarter inch uh, by whatever piece of wood, only a quarter inch thick, and I propped it up on the back side so there's that little air gap. Now I don't have telescoping lids. And I don't have hives that are drilled on both front and back for ventilation. Partially due to the fact that I don't have a day where there's not wind. So. You know what I'm going to tell you about that. Drill holes. And I, I told you that all year long. Oh, I Even know. last year. And I've seen it. When there's too much when there's too much ventilation, they propolize it. Yep. And then they open it up. And they it's, it's, it's like you're building them a house. That's full of windows, that has screens, and it has uh, sliding glass that closes. And you're giving them the opportunity to open it and close it as they want, rather yep. than giving them a house with no windows at all and expecting it to breathe. Yep. You know, maybe maybe try a hand. If, if, if you, if and you that's, still that's feel what I'm like thinking is getting one of my, my racks. I got, I generally do five or six deeps to a stand. It just t- pick a stand and drill holes in the backside. You think they'll get pissed if I drill while they're in there? Yeah. Okay. And then there's a ton of debris that flies that flies around in there, and, and your whole salt really punches nicely. through. Yeah. Well, I got more deeps made. Yeah. Yesterday, Just, so it's you well. You know, one thing you should be doing in your in your bee yard too is box change outs. Yes. And so, especially, you know, this summer, um, hive beetles have, have really, I've probably collected enough hive beetles in a, to make a five-gallon bucket full. Uh, I've only squashed three this year. Right. And That's so, all I've seen. Right. And the difference being, if you're making one-frame splits, and then you get robbing, hive beetles are, hive beetles are, are the uh, just a symptom. And... Uh, because you invested in queens and making really large splits early on in the year, yep. You know, you you see in high beetles is probably not going to be a super big thing. There's certain parts of the country; it's a different story. Yeah, very much um, so. It, everything is always about you know the, the context and scale on that. Um, but keeping them 
keeping those boxes ventilated is 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 huge. Yeah. I have not had a hive that had too much airflow yet. Okay. And and for me, every the front and the back of every box is drilled. Every front has a dial. Every back has the hardware cloth. Just a one inch hole. One inch hole. What size hardware cloth? Yes, be too quick. Eighth inch. What size hardware cloth? Eighth inch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's it's getting uh it's getting late here. I can smell uh we've got uh pork belly and a pork oh, shoulder yeah. on the smoker here. And it's just about time for lunch. Um but we wanted to just, you know, kind of throw some ideas around for winter. Winter is coming. Um, and uh, you know, I'm, what I'm doing for winter is uh, July 4th is is a firm cut off point for me for making splits, but I always push it, and I always want to see how far I can go. If I take it a month further, what has to happen for me to you know to be able to do that? Uh, so we we made a bunch of splits to get ready. You know, a good problem that we've had is we've sold so many queens and nukes uh, from our stock here um, that I was trying to get into the winter with about 100 or 150 hives. And you know Susan wanted me to stop selling a little earlier in the year to make sure I did that, but uh, we're next thing you know it's it's this late in the year and you're not at a hundred. I, I mean I was I've been over a hundred so many times this year, and then you know sell a bunch and come back down up up and down up and down. Now what we're doing is um, getting everything supered for uh, goldenrod, getting every getting all of them ready. We're doing alcohol washes, checking up on mites. Uh, I've got one hive that's at the threshold, so I got to make up my mind what I'm going to do on that. Uh, and if if I treat one, am I going to treat all? Is as that's kind of where I'm. Is, is that's getting what I was everything about to healthy? Ask you is uh, what it, what's your uh, treatment plan for well, the that's, fall? I think that's the one of the biggest things everyone overlooks is everyone wants to try to figure out what's the magic uh, ventilation scenario, box setup, hive stand location. Uh, number of boxes, number of bees to go in the winter, but no one actually, a lot of folks miss the, maybe the most important thing is none of that matters if you don't have healthy bees going yeah. into the wintertime. If your bees are the hygienic type and they destroy all your mites and they're not getting virus, uh, viruses and they're healthy, that's fantastic. You're gonna have a, you're gonna have a different approach on that. If you're in an area or a biome to where your uh, your parasite loads are different, the the uh, the, the the transmission the, the transmission disease is different. I mean, it, you, so you got to go. You got you got to look at those things. If if treating your bees is something that you have to do, either using organic um, acids or uh, essential oils or whatever you're using, uh, you got to start thinking about: Are these bees healthy enough to go into the winter time? And we're we're getting really close to where the hive is starting to make winter bees. And so, what we do not only to uh, make sure that the bees uh, have enough honey and they've got pollen stores and they've got numbers and they've got ventilation is, you know, are they healthy? And so, you know, one of the ways that we uh, kind of judge that is doing an alcohol wash, see what our or what percentage of mites we have. When we get to that two percent threshold, well, what do we do about it, if anything? And so, right now, um, I've I've been treating uh, some. Uh, hives in some out yards uh i haven't treated anything here at my own yard um yet and i gotta make i gotta make up my mind and, and decide you know what i'm gonna do because there's this year is a lot different than even last year or the oh, year before or so. the year before because uh, there's just, uh, there's a substantial uh investment and an asset here um with bees so um so I, i've got all the tools here i've got the pro vape i've got mito strips i've got you know the things that i need uh to uh 
to make that move. I just got to actually decide to do it. Um, and then, um, so we're, we're going to get supered up. We're going to get, uh, before we, before we put those supers on, we're going to, we're going to probably go through, you know, treatments. Um, any, any honey we do catch off of them, we're not really, we're not, we're not selling. Um, so I don't, it doesn't matter to me if I have honey supers that have, um, that are on, if I am using a salic acid, that doesn't really, that does not going to bother me any. Um, I like the, the goldenrod honey after it gets time to kind of get that stank off of it. It's super sweet, super thick. It's great for mead. I love that stank. That yeah. stanky honey is so good. Yeah, it's delicious. I just don't like the, the smell at first. I can't even eat it until the smell wears off because it just smells oh. so nasty. But some folks, you know, like to smell gym socks and some don't. I, I guess. got no problem getting past the dirty gym socks for that sweet gold. <laughs> So, uh, so right now we're we're, just, we're getting everything. Um, we're getting big hives uh, broke down into smaller hives. Getting smaller hives built back up. We're going to probably go in the winter with uh, primarily uh, five frame and eight frame mediums. We've got a couple hives that are going to be in uh, some five frame deeps, but um, I'm mostly uh, pre- preferring mediums um, over deep. So right now it's a matter of just getting everybody uh, built up in size, making sure they've got they've got food reserves, um, and then making sure they're healthy. And then uh, I really don't see a, a huge benefit in pushing all my hives together. We did it last year, uh, and you were out with me. I already t- kind of talked about that with the floor camera. There wasn't; they weren't sharing common walls. They weren't the creating white camera? Heat, the floor, floor, the floor, the floor camera. Uh huh. Okay, I've always used a FLIR camera. A FLIR, yeah. Well, the FLIRs are more; they cost twice as much as the FLIRs. Oh, they do. Right? Are they spelled different? Exactly the same. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> So I, I didn't I didn't I didn't see uh, a big benefit. I didn't see um, a heat sink on the walls. Um, if, I think where they're important is it creates a big windbreak, um, and so I think that's that that can be beneficial. I'm gonna I'm gonna try it again on some stands and see if we if that you know data proves out again or not. Maybe it'll be a different story this year. But um, that's you know one reason why we do run nothing but migratory lids is so we can push things all together. Yeah. It's also cheaper to make the lids. I I, I just I like um I, I like that style of lid. It works it works well too. So I did put snow fence up. Oh good. Behind mine. And only reason I did uh when it snows we can get an inch or two inches, but where we're at, we can get snow drifts that are waist high, chest high, just off an inch or two of snow. Yeah. And previously, it's been my bee boxes. So, yeah. just one little more deterrence to yep. snow stop fence. that build up. Yep. And it lasts for it lasts for a long time. I think I had, I've had snow fence up, uh, ever, I think ever since the first year, and the snow fence that I bought, I bought... Some of them I bought used at an auction. I think uh, our, our buddy Jeremy Hill, I think, even gave me some. Uh, and just it lasts forever. You know, kind of looks good too. If you've got road visibility, it helps kind of knock that down. But um, that's kind of what we're doing uh, to get ready for winter: is getting things built up, getting them in the right size boxes, uh, making sure they're healthy, making sure they've got food stores. Um, before you know it, it's it's going to be we're going to be talking about uh, it being December. And uh, anything else that we're doing as far as you know feed goes, so maybe we ought to get together. Uh, maybe when we when we can get Jimbo together again, yeah, too, we'll sure. see you know where things are in his yard. So kind of see what he's up to, how how the years played out, what he's done different, if anything, um, you know, from last year, and um, see what we've all learned from that. Yep. 
Jeez, I got a, I got a heck of a lot of information and a lot to think about before. Uh, That's all before lunch. Oh gosh, yeah. And what do you say we go up there and get those, uh, get that pork butt off the smoker and get a bite to eat? Grab that bottle of wine or meat or whatever cranberry. Oh, and that comes from. Let's see, that's cranberry. That that comes from. Um, Shane and Nicole, is it Freesey or Freese? F R E E S E. I'm not sure. I don't know. They'll correct us. But we met them out in uh, Harrisburg, and they were kind enough to give us all kinds of uh, hooch, hooch presents uh, for for delivering. So, so thanks to the Freeseys or Freeses. I'll let you butcher someone's last name. <laughs> so uh, I guess uh, until next time, be the lighthouse. Be yourself, because that's what's really cool. We don't have a third person to say a third B thing. I know. Maybe you can just go twice. Ladies, ladies first. Well, everyone, everyone's here for you anyway, so. Right, right. <laughs> All right, guys. We'll see you. All right. Hey, that'll work. <laughs> How about that?